Welcome to the Happy With Yourself podcast. I'm your host, Becky Smith. Many of us have good lives, the lives we've always wanted, but we still feel frustrated and unhappy with ourselves. You deserve to value, appreciate, and accept you right now, exactly as you are. Whether it's life coaching tools, learning from others, or sharing my experiences, I'm here to help you be happy with yourself. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. Today, I wanted to bring you an encore episode in honor of National Suicide Awareness Month here in September. I wanted to bring back this episode that I did with my friend Jessica Hedgecock, and it was about the death of her father. And it is one of my most downloaded episodes. And it, because the topic is so important and because Jessica was so open and vulnerable and raw about her experiences and also her hope and what she has been through. And I know those out there listening that you either know someone who has died by suicide or you have um, a loved one who is knows someone or somewhere in your life it has been touched by suicide in some way. So I hope that you will give this a listen again and contemplate it and think about the things that she teaches us in this episode and to be more aware and more cautious about what's going on with people around us and not being afraid to ask for help. And maybe it's it's ourselves. Maybe we're battling with depression and if we can know the signs and try to get help, it is so important. Every life is invaluable and is worth sticking around for. So I hope you enjoy this episode once again, and here we go. Hello, friends. Welcome to the podcast. Today, my guest is my good friend, Jessica Hedgecock. We've been friends for several years, and we've seen each other's ups and downs, triumphs, defeats, happy times, and sad times. One of the really hard and sad times in Jessica's life happened about four years ago, when her father died by suicide. Jessica is a really amazing person. She was genuinely good kind, sincere, and thoughtful. One of the things I admire most about Jessica is how she has handled this tragedy in her life. Her courage, strength, and faith are a great example to me. I asked her to come on the podcast to share her story, letting her light shine, that it may touch the ones who need it the most. So, Jessica, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. Okay, I wanted you to introduce yourself, other than being my friend. Okay. (laughs) Do you want to tell people a little bit about you? 
Yeah, sure. I'd love to. Um, so I am an Arizona native. I am one of six kids. I'm in the middle of two older, two younger um, siblings. Um, I've been married for 11 years. Um, my husband and I have one son. He's three years old. I've been a nurse for about 10 years now and a business owner for about two and a half years. And that's me in a nutshell. So, All right. Well, yeah. thank you. All right, Jessica. So first of all, can you tell me about your dad? Tell me what he was like. Yeah. So um, my dad was a quiet man, um, but he was incredibly smart and talented. And he was a do-it-yourselfer. He could fix anything that broke, it seemed, growing up. Um, he was a, a very hard worker and um, loved serving in our church and as scoutmaster, I feel like he was scoutmaster of like my whole life growing up. Yeah. He loved um, help with, with uh, camping trips and, and anything outdoors. Um, he was a dentist by profession and amazing at it. He was a perfectionist. Um, I worked for him as a dental assistant for a short time and and he could get kind of impatient sometimes with me, <laughs> not knowing what the heck I was doing. Um, but that's just because he cared so much about his um, his patients and his job and everything. And um, but even as a really hard worker, he always made time to um, spend with his family, and he loved to um, take us on boating trips, fishing trips, um, quadding, um, camping, hiking, anything outdoors. He um, we loved spending time with him as a family doing those activities. And he had the most tender heart. He would, he loved music and a lot of myself and my um, siblings were our mus musical. We play piano, sing um, different, different instruments. And he always loved just like sitting in the piano room when we would play or sing and just like sit there and listen and sometimes get emotional and tearful at times. Yeah. So he, um, he loved, he loved us. He was a very supportive father. He was always at all of my, um, my games, my activities that I, concerts that I was involved in in high school, he was always there. My family does not like sports. They're not into sports at all, watching them at all. And I was in the marching band for four years. And every Friday night, there was a football game. And I was just in the band. And my parents were at every single game, always wow. like just to watch the marching band. Yeah. <laughs> so that shows their their love for, for me and, you know, how much they supported us as kids. So. All right. Yeah. Yeah. And you had a, a good relationship with him. I remember you going to the temple with him um, yeah. as an adult. And I, I never personally met him or anything, but um, I heard you talk very fondly about him. And mm -hmm. um, what, what was your relationship like with him? Yeah. So we, um, I don't know, it's, it's hard to say like, we, I don't know that we were like really close, but because we weren't, he wasn't the type to have like really deep conversations with people. As he, I said, he's pretty reserved, quiet yeah. type person. But um, just with, with the times we, we did have talks, he was always very tenderhearted and loving and, and sensitive. And he, I always asked his opinion about certain things. Like he knew a lot about politics and I didn't. So I would like, anytime ballots came out, I'm like, okay, what's, who's this judge? Yeah. He, was, you know, he always had like knew what to say and how to, um, how to, I just trusted his opinion, like really great deal. So, um, so yeah, he was definitely someone that I, um, looked up to and relied upon a lot. Yeah. It sounds like you had a very loving relationship. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's really good. Yeah. So do you want to tell me, you know, in your own words, in your own way, um, the story mm -hmm. of what happened? How old was your dad? Yeah. So, um, I believe, let's see, 
58 at the time. Um, so he never, never struggled with depression or, or mental illness growing up. Like I never saw that side of him. None of us ever did. Um, he was always a pretty, pretty happy man. He loved the dad jokes. He was very, had a goofy, dry sense of humor. Yeah. <laughs> um, and loved to laugh and um, generally a pretty happy person. I mean, he got stressed occasionally with different projects and things that he was frustrated with or different repairs and, and had a tendency to have that perfectionist mentality and that a lot of us have. And um, he worked as a dentist, like I said, um, with my with my grandfather, so his dad. Um, that was his, after dental school, he came back, he went to dental school in Texas and after he graduated, came went back to Arizona, back home, and he um, joined my father or my grandfather in his dental practice. And and that practice had been, he'd been there for I think maybe 20 plus years. And um, they were in this really old um, kind of becoming rundown building in, in downtown um, Phoenix. And um, and it came to a point where the building owners who they were renting out the space from decided that the building needed to go. It needed to be demolished. It was the plan. That was the plan. And that was early in the year of, um, of 2015. So um, they kind of knew this and we we're making plans and, and kind of just deciding what he wanted to do if he wanted to leave and just join an, a new, another dentist and be an employee for another practice, or if he wanted to start his own practice or start a new practice at another building. And that involved building like a whole nother dental office. Like it wasn't like they could just find a dental office that was already built to buy. It was like buying a space and constructing a dental office out of the space. And it was a lot of money. That's what eventually what he decided to do because he didn't want to, he wanted to work for himself. He didn't want to be an employee of anybody else. Yeah. So um, even though that wasn't really his personality, he he worked for my grandfather. He didn't really have like ownership in the business. He had his own patients, but um, my grandpa was the one that kind of started the practice. So um, he it just wasn't like a strength of his to make decisions like that. He was pretty a pretty indecisive person. So, um, but that's what he decided to do, and and just made the commitment to buy the buy the practice and um, and start his own practice. And it was a huge investment, a huge monetary investment, a lot of decisions, a lot of stress, a lot of worry about how he could do this. And, and this, the financial struggle of it all of him being in his fifties, you know, like thinking I should be retiring. I don't have any savings. He was just very, um, stressed and overwhelmed by this new, um, new task that he had taken on as, um, so late in life. And, um, he, just doubted himself. Like we could see him just changing. And I think about in August, September of that year, we could tell like he, he was just very worried about how it was all going to turn out. He had a lot of doubts that it was going to even work out and thought remember him calling me one, one time in October, like on a road trip. And he was like, just like, you know, I don't, I don't know that we can, what are we going to do if this practice fails? You know, are you just going to come live with you guys? And I was like, you know, that's fine. Like if you need to like, if it doesn't work out, like what's the worst case scenario? You come live with us. Like it's not the end of the world, you know? Yeah. And he, he felt like that was just not okay. Like, (laughs) and you said that was a bit odd for Mm -hmm. him to be. Yeah. Asking you those kind of questions or calling you up and. Mm-hmm. It didn't at that time. It wasn't odd. It was okay. Like that, that we were just kind okay. of talking about right. it. Yeah, yeah. No, that was like a normal conversation to be okay. having. Yeah, with him. It was good. I was glad he like 
we had that time to talk over the phone about it. And I was trying to help reassure him. Like, you don't have to do this. All of us were like, you don't have to like go into this building, this new practice. If you don't want to, like if yeah. it's not something you really want to do and you don't like it. Cause I mean, we kind of knew him. We're like, you, you just like being a dentist. You love your patients, love what you do, but being a business owner is like not yeah. really what, what you like doing. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Like some people love it and it's their strength and they do it, but you're not, you don't seem passionate about that. But I think, he just kind of, I could tell he could feel like he was going to be a failure if he didn't make this happen. Like he, mm. I could sense, he didn't say this exactly, but I could sense that it would be giving up if he, you know, chose to just join another practice. I mean, that's just my own assumption, but okay. anyway, I think he felt like he was doing the noble thing or the, you know, okay. the right thing in his mind. So what he should be doing. Yeah. Yeah. So, and he just deteriorated. I mean, he decided that's what he wanted to do. And like, we could just tell him like in a few months, like just he, he stopped sleeping. He lost weight. He like stopped eating, you know, and, and just wasn't himself anymore. And because of all this financial struggle and stress and him, just, he kind of just stopped. He kind of was going through the motions of it all, but you could tell he just didn't have any belief anymore that he was going to be successful. He almost resigned himself to like knowing it was going to fail and he was going to be a failure. And I think as a man, like when you don't, that's like your sole kind of purpose in life is mm-hmm. to provide from your family mm-hmm. when you feel like you're failing at that, or you're not going to be able to do that or not going to be who you think you should be. That just took a huge hit on his self-esteem and his sense of self. Okay. So, um, so yeah, so that, that's what set everything in motion with him. And um, he just, he stopped. I mean, he just started like, so this was like, like November. I remember like Thanksgiving, like our family, we all got together for Thanksgiving with my extended family and, and aunts and uncles were like, he's just not himself. Like, that's just not my brother. That's just not. Yeah. He just was so, so quiet. And he would, he just would like leave and go on, on drives and not tell us where he was going. And, mm. and just, and just talking, like, just kind of making some bizarre statements, you know, going into like later in the year. Um, and we all knew that he was suffering and we tried helping him like I tried help because it was a big a lot of stress just to move that practice like that building that my grandparent that my grandfather had been practicing in for 50 years had like so much junk in there it was full of just can imagine like it was just huge a huge project just to clear that out let alone like the whole financial you know issue with the building the new practice and everything so there was just a lot my mom was heavily involved in in making decisions and helping with setting everything up. And, and so we, our, our, my siblings and I, we tried to be there as much as we could to help pack things up and, yeah. you know, support him. And it was all situational we, that we thought, you know, he'll get better, you know, once we get this figured out, once we, you know, move over to the, the new practice. And, and um, we knew he was suffering. We could tell he was depressed and anxious and everything and I made an appointment for him to be seen by a therapist mm. because we knew that was something he definitely needed. Like maybe he'd be on medication or something, but because of the situation, we didn't realize just how dire it was. And he never once mentioned, you know, thoughts of taking his life or, or anything like that. So um, he and then just but one morning we we got a I just got a phone call from one of my, my brother-in-law who was staying for Christmas. Was, this was on the just in December now on the 22nd and he just said dad's gone you know he he I can't remember the exact words he used but um just that he he took his life and they and we had had so many questions I couldn't 
I just didn't believe it at first. And, you know, um, my sister was actually the first one that called me just crying and then her husband had to call me back and, you know, tell me more clearly what had happened. She just said, dad's gone. And, um, and, um, so yeah, that's, it was just a shock to everyone. Yes. We knew he was struggling, but we never thought he would go that far, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, for sure. So tell me about how you processed that because shock, it could be very real element of when somebody dies suddenly. Mm -hmm. Um, what was that process like for you? How did over the next few days, weeks, um, the funeral, what, what was that like for you? Yeah. So, I mean, it just, I went back and forth to like an overwhelm from disbelief to like just overwhelming sadness and grief. And, you know, when I got to my mom's house and just saw her and just crying with her and holding her and everything, like that's when it felt real. Um, or just a, I think it comes in, it comes in pieces, you know, like your body, your mind can't process like the everything. That's why shock I think is yeah. what we go into, you know? Well, so. and you're a nurse, so you know what the body does mm-hmm. in shock and it's probably similar with the mind. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like we can only take on so much at a time and a shock is the way of, for, for, to protect us, you know, to yeah. help us cope with what's going on and, and, um, and handle it. And I, I think I did definitely experience that because um, I was able to to um, to to function more than I think some of my siblings and my mom, of course, who were very very close to the situation. Yeah. I was, you know, married at the time and moved out and everything, and so I wasn't like living there and and, and greatly affected by that day to day. My day to day life wasn't as affected, of course, and I yeah. was able to uh, to kind of help. I was like the contact person for the police and for. Um, or their, their bishop and everything to kind of just deal with all the communications aspects yeah, of it. Like I yeah. was, cause I was able to, you know, to do that. I, and I think it was um, definitely the strength that I was given from heavenly father to be able to handle that. I just remember when I first got the news that I was just enveloped with peace. Like I just felt this, this peaceful, like sensation th- flow through my entire body, just lifting me up, holding me together and just allowing me to, to stand strong and to, to make those decisions and those things that needed to be done. You know, I had to make some phone calls to the, you know, the building managers and things for the new practice and say, stop everything. Like we're not doing it anymore, you know, and until my extended family eventually took over all that, which was amazing of them. So, yeah. Yeah. So definitely um, in and out of shock, I think, and disbelief and yeah. Okay. So, um, what would you want to say to people or I think there's a lot of myths out there and there's still some stigma out there about suicide and also people want to help and comfort. I mean, I was your friend at the time Mm -hmm. and, um, I'm not unacquainted with loss or grief, but this particular type of loss and grief, I wasn't personally acquainted with. And mm-hmm. so I myself felt a little like, I don't, I don't want to say the wrong thing. Yeah, I don't want to, but I want to be there for her. I want to, what, yeah. what would you want to say about, you know, those out there who just feel a little uncomfortable or awkward about 
Yeah. And it's, it's tricky. Like sometimes I don't even know what I need at the time. Like, yeah. Um, so I think any intent to reach out in love is never going to be answered with, you know, a negative reaction. And if it is, it's okay because it was your, your intention was just with love. So yeah. I think anytime you reach out, I just, I would just say, don't be afraid to reach out to somebody and maybe just ask, ask them, Hey, do you want to talk about your dad? Like, how are you doing with that? You know, I think yeah. I, I would love that, you know, and when people ask about that, I just, it really shows that they care and that they understand how, how greatly like my life was affected by that. And just be open to like, if they don't want to talk about it either, like being totally okay with that. Yeah. Because maybe that's the, the answer you'll get is like, I just don't, I don't want to talk about, about it. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to go there right now with my yeah. <laughs> emotions. I want to think about happier things. Cause there are times when I'm like, I, I just don't want to think about it. You know, yeah. I, it's, I'd rather think about more positive, happy things or remember him. I think I love talking about him and his life and how he was as a person. So anytime yeah. like you talk about their past and you know, their just stories about them, I think is, is going to be uplifting, you know? Yeah. So for sure. People want to talk about who they were as a person. They don't want to have them remembered by how they died. Yeah. Cause that was just such a small part yeah. of his existence of his life was just, was at the end. And I don't feel like he'll be judged based upon that, you know, in the eternities, like his life, you know, was, he just did so many wonderful things in his life. And that's what is like, what matters, you know? Yeah. And um, we talked about this before, but in um, in life coaching, we're always taught that our brain's always trying to protect us, right? Mm-hmm. Everything it does is because it's trying to protect us. Yeah. And whenever our brain um, offers us thoughts that aren't protecting us, um, that are self-harm in any way, we know there's something chemically wrong yeah. in the brain. And so in order to know that and be cognizant of that with, with suicide, does, does that help you process it more to know that, you know, there's something chemical going on. It's, it's a disease that the depression, no matter yours was a little different story than we mostly hear because it came on so quick and so suddenly Mm -hmm. and he didn't have a history of it. Yeah. It was kind of like just a a traumatic onset of it. But does knowing knowing that um, that it's more of a, a chemical issue, or how do you feel mm-hmm. about that? What are your thoughts? Yeah, so I definitely um, believe that there's so much about the brain that we don't know, and I think that that mental illness has a stigma around it. That you know, some people think if you were just more positive or just stronger, or you're you know, you wouldn't be suffering with that. Yeah. But, it, but depression, anxiety are true like true diseases that can afflict us, and I think. It is, you know, it is, and studies have shown that it is due to chemical imbalances. And and there are also studies that have been done on the brains of people that have died by suicide, showing that they weren't in their right minds when they did those acts and they died. And and I completely believe that about my father because he was not, he was a very selfless, loving person. Like I, I just don't, he would not, the father that I knew and grew up with wasn't one that would, would do such a thing. He was clearly irrational and we could see that in him too before this happened like he wasn't yeah. himself like he was not in his right mind at all so it does help and and there are times when we you know we go to the to the land of like you know why how could he do this to us why could he leave us you know and and I think that's that's totally natural and normal for anyone um whose loved one has um, died by suicide yeah so I don't think there's anything wrong with thinking that but I was able to 
to notice in myself when I was looking back, you know, like, of course I should have seen the signs. You know, I've seen, I knew what to do, you know, for someone that says they're suicidal. I work in the ER, like you, you take them to the ER and they are so, they're seeing, they're watched, you know, constantly so that they can't harm themselves and they're given the resources they need. And I had considered that, you know, maybe like briefly once as he was struggling with, with his depression, but I didn't think it was that severe. It was easy for me to just kind of think, you know, he's, he's okay. You know, he'll be fine. He'll, yeah. he'll get out of this. And, um, and so when I beat myself up about like, you should have done this, you should have known better. Like the, here are all the signs that you had right in front of you. I just felt horrible. You know, you just have all this regret and sadness around it. And, and I realized like, you know what, that's not going to change what happened, you know? thinking these thoughts of like, I should have known better and should have done something and that shouldn't have happened. I mean, it's okay to think them and feel them, but it didn't serve me. I could tell like it was just hurting me. It wasn't helping me heal. It was just making me angry and suffer. And I just learned, you know what, I get to believe whatever I want to about what happened about, you know, this experience. And I don't have to, and I I just want to believe that we did everything we could. And this is what, you know, what needed to happen for whatever reason. We don't know why and can't explain why exactly, but you know, this is, this is what needed to happen. And um, so I think that served, has served me, you know, just being at peace with it and knowing that he's okay where he is now on the other side. Okay. So that leads me right into like the advice that you would give people in your same situation. Would that be a lot of the advice would be about their thoughts and how they choose to think about it or, um, and, and also about feeling the grief and letting yourself yeah. feel it. What, what would be your advice to someone in your shoes that finds out tomorrow that mm-hmm. their loved one is gone? What would you say? Yeah. We talk about like clean pain and dirty pain yeah. in life coaching. And yeah. So, um, clean pain is, um, and help me correct me if I'm wrong, if I I'm sure articulate you'll get it. it right, but <laughs> it's just the the grief that we feel, the sadness that we feel at experiencing such a loss. You know, that's processing your emotions is so key to getting past it and to find healing. And um, and then the dirty pain is when we start to like think the thoughts like, well, that shouldn't have happened. And if this had been different, then we when we start to feel exactly. angry or upset. You know, and not that those are bad things to feel. It's, you're going to go through those in some degree. Yes, but just recognizing, you know, they're actually unnecessary. Like that's not necessary to, for healing. You know, yeah. you can kind of quiet those thoughts and realize, you know what, it's okay. I, you know, I, I, I know that I did everything that I, I could have done in that situation. You know, like yeah. I did my best. We all did our best. And that's what I want to believe. Cause that's what brings me peace. Cause that's the truth. I mean, we don't know the truth. Maybe if I would have brought him to the ER, who knows if that would have prevented him later on down the line, you know, we don't know. We just don't know. And so the, the truth is love and peace and how you want to feel. So, yeah. Did that answer your question? Yes. Okay. No, that totally did. Because um, you just, you have to feel, like you said, the clean pain mm-hmm. and uh, let, give yourself time with that, but then not dwell in the, in the dirty pain if you can help mm-hmm. it. I mean, we're human. We're going to go there sometimes. Yeah, and that's totally okay. Yeah. And, and know that your thoughts create your feelings and, and we want to be sad. It was a sad thing. Yeah. And definitely. it's okay to to go through it. We want to go around it, over it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, we want to no, not feel it. it, but. And it feels peaceful. Like when you do grieve, like I, I was with my, I was with my mom, like I stayed at her house for the first like two weeks or so after this happened. And 
I went home, I think it was New Year's Eve that I went home for the first time and and I was I was holding it all together, you know, with my family and trying and being strong for them and helping navigate everything and and um and then when I got home, I was it was New Year's Eve and it was finally the time I was like just by myself and I remember we my husband invited some of his family over and I was just upstairs in our room just crying. Like I just couldn't bring myself to come downstairs for the longest time because I'm like, I just and I needed just to process everything that yeah. happened. And um and it was it was hard, but it was it was good. It was peaceful. Like I just I felt better after cathartic, just, it was, right? Yes, it was cathartic. Like, yeah, yeah no, no one wants to sit and cry for hours, but that's just what I needed to process everything and to find some healing and and peace. Yeah. It's how our body deals with those chemicals. Mm, Yes. Yeah. I know my mom um, passed away recently and um, it was sudden. And um, I just remember driving. I had a long drive from the airport to her, to her house. And I turned on sad music intentionally. Mm -hmm. And I just cried the entire way, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and it felt good. good. Yeah, it really does. It sounds weird, but it does. (laughs) But like, yeah, I'll do things like that. I'll like, like I'll turn on one of his favorite movies. Like he loved Phantom of the Opera. And there's that, a song from there that we took and, and put it in his like tribute video at his funeral. And like, mm. it's the song where she's singing, you know, wishing you were somehow here again at the graveside. And yeah, and just like, okay, like I feel it. That's, it's, it's all the feels, you know? Yeah. And, and it's, I think it's okay to lean into that. I just would say, don't be afraid to lean into that. Cause it's always more peace on the other side of it. You know, you're yeah. never going to feel worse. What feels bad is resisting it and hiding from it and avoiding it. That's what feels terrible. Yeah. But when you face it and you process it, that's that feels peaceful and healing. Yeah. And would you say that it still continues? Yes. To this, like, it's probably not as intense as it was at the beginning. Mm-hmm. It's not a tsunami wave of grief, but it's still an ocean wave of grief that comes up on you, mm-hmm. right? Once in a while. Definitely. Once in a while. Yeah. I remember just just kind of preparing for this interview, you know, like last week, just realizing like, oh, I'm just feeling really sad today. Like I just feel so heavy in my heart. And I um, just, just think because I was just reviewing in my mind, you know, what happened and thinking about him and, and everything. And so definitely like those times come and, or when, you know, like I think the holidays too are really hard for families that yeah. suffer loss at any time of the year, you know, yeah. and especially for my family because it's, it's so close to Christmas. It was three days before Christmas that yeah. he died and, um, and you, it's just, the pain is kind of mag- more magnified in those gatherings because you think they should be here, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, for sure. Why is it better to say died by suicide rather than committed suicide? Do the words we use matter? I know when you hear like the word committed, you think like, it just sounds like an an intentional act, you know, someone committed murder, they committed a crime, you know, but but in the case of mental illness, like if the the person's not in their right mind, they're not really capable of committing those things. Like, yes, it was an act that they, they did choose to do, but, but they just aren't thinking clearly. Like their mind is sick, they're diseased, you know? Yeah by this, these thoughts that are just completely irrational and true. And it's like, they just have these demons like surrounding them. And I think it's, it's comparable to any disease out there, like cancer, you know, cancer can be terminal. They committed cancer. <laughs> no. <you know? laughs> right. Yes. It's, it's, and there's, it's just, they're, they're just really scratching the surface on mental illness and how, 
how, you know, there's so little known about the causes and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what, how to treat it, you know, is very, very tricky. So I think that just giving, I think it gives like, it just offers more understanding, more peace. Like when you're able to say like, that's how they died. Not that yeah. they chose to die that way. You yeah. Know, I think is just more sensitive and, and everything. So just more accurate in my opinion. Okay. I agree with that. Okay, Jessica. So my podcast is about believing in yourself and getting to know yourself better, knowing your own strengths. And so in this process of losing your dad and the grief and all that came with it, what have you learned about yourself? That's a great question. Um, So I think the biggest thing is that I've, I've learned that I can go through something really, really heart-wrenching and challenging and still survive it and come out stronger, more understanding, more aware, have a stronger testimony of Jesus Christ because of it. Um, And it has just increased my compassion for other people and my ability to help others that may be going through something similar. Um, I had a patient one time that checked into the ER who was there for suicidal thoughts. And, um, he was able to reassure the family, you know, that they did the right thing and bringing him in and that they're, you know, there, there should be no shame in, in acting the way they did. Cause I, you know, as, as a family member, bringing your loved one in, you're not sure, like, were they really serious? Should I have done this? Like, there's all that uncertainty, you know, and, and, and feeling kind of silly to have brought them in. I'm like, and I could be able, I could tell them with, you know, <laughs> my whole heart. I'm like, you did the absolute right thing, bringing him in. Like there's, yeah. there's nothing worse, you know, than, than, than losing your loved one, like in this way and, and wishing you had done more. So, so I'm, I could just, you know, tell them great job, you know, doing that, bringing him in and, yeah. and helping him in this way. And, and then I could also tell my patient, you know, who was thinking of, of, of taking his life, like, like, don't ever think that leaving this world is going to make it a better place. Like, the world needs you in it. This world is never better without each and every person that's supposed to be here right now. Like, you have value, you have purpose in your life, you are worthwhile. And I I felt that so much more for myself or other people that even if you feel like you're a burden on somebody else, you feel like you're, you have no value or worth, like, you truly are amazing and here for a reason. And and even if it's to help others grow, you know, if you're leaning on them, it's, it's okay. You know, it's, yeah, it's what you're here for and you're going to come out and you can come out the other side of it stronger. You know, it's, I think just learning my, my value, my worth and, and importance too is, has really helped, helped me. Well, this situation has helped me learn that. So, yeah. All right. That's great. Is there anything that I didn't ask or anything that you wanted to add or any advice that you have for someone considering suicide? Um, that's probably what you just said, though, of just yeah. knowing their value. Did you have anything you wanted to add? Yeah, I mean, if you have a, a loved one that, you know, is suffering with mental illness or going through situations that are like my father was where they're just really struggling, I mean, and you if you suspect anything, you know, don't be afraid to, to ask them about suicide, to ask how they're really thinking. I mean, you hear that and you're like, Oh, I don't want to give them any ideas or, you know, yeah, it seems really counterintuitive. It does. But if they're, if they're not thinking about it, then it's not going to, 
it's not going to make problem. them want to yeah. do that. And if they are, it's going to open up a discussion that they can actually share. What problem would they, you know, be trying to solve by, by, by taking their life, you know, and, and you can kind of help them navigate that. So I think just not being afraid to ask the hard questions, um, and just to watch for this with signs. I mean, in hindsight, it's obvious, like my father was struggling, not himself. We should have done more, but in the, in the moment we didn't know, we didn't know that it was that severe. I mean, it was just, I How think could you? when you're yeah. in it, yeah, it's just hard to see, um, see it when it, you're in it. And, it. and it was, I mean, it was fast in the sense that like he didn't suffer with mental illness, but at the time it was, it was gradual, you know, that okay. deterioration was gradual. Um, so it was just really tough. And we thought we were doing everything to help him. I mean, I prayed constantly for him. I, you know, like I said, I helped him at his practice, brought him food. I, you know, tried to encourage him and we're all doing everything we, we thought we could do. And I think just, just, you know, know that you, I think just for me, like something I learned about myself is just accepting that my, my best, what I did in the past was enough, you know, that was mm. enough and being at peace with that because it's easy to, like I said, like, to Beat go yourself there. up, yes, and wish you had done more, you know. But I think just um, choosing intentionally how we want to feel and think about it is like yeah. the greatest strength we have when we are struggling with any life, you know, situation that's difficult. Yeah, and you have to. It's not something that's just going to happen naturally. Your brain is always going to try to bounce back to say, mm-hmm. "You coulda, woulda, shoulda." Yeah, you have to answer it. You have to really fight it, you know. Okay. And, and everything. So, so yeah, I think just, just reinforcing too that just all of us have value and purpose in our lives and, you know, we all matter so much. I don't know. It, it's amazing too, how it did bring my family together. You know, like we, we did become some, so much closer at that time. And, you know, I remember we each got to say goodbye to him. I think that helped with the healing when getting to actually see his, his body, you know, yeah. maybe before the, before the viewing, you know, we got it. We all had a chance to, to spend a few minutes alone with him, you know, just to say like our final goodbyes. And that was just a very sacred time to me. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I've had my own experiences with severe depression and anxiety when I was a teenager and it got so bad to the point where I just couldn't function. I never, I never became suicidal, but I, just wasn't in my right mind. I was completely oh. irrational. And I, I remember seeing that in my dad. I remember like when he was going through this, I'm like, oh, that looks so familiar to how I was oh. thinking and feeling. And I was able to, when I saw him, when I saw okay. him laying there, I could, I just told him like, dad, I understand. That brought me so much peace. I could just, I told him like, I understand why this happened. You know, I've been there. Not that I was contemplating suicide, but I, I felt myself in that situation where you're just not thinking straight, and I could, I could feel his love, and I just felt just so much peace, accepting that, you know, I just felt a connection with him that I didn't expect to feel, and um, and just I knew he was okay, you know, I knew that he. I know that he lives on and, and he's doing work on the other side to, um, to, uh, to better the lives of other people that have passed on. So I just, I totally believe that he's, he's all right. And I feel close to him 
when I think about him and, you know, I can feel like he's my angel watching over me. Yeah. I feel him close to me. Yeah. So. Yeah. And your son was born like almost yes. right on his and birthday. Yeah. Our family's. Like um, a year later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. So we, our family has going through that. Um, after that, this whole experience, we've seen so many amazing blessings, like just even from the, the small acts of service from people, you know, we know to, you know, my husband and I struggled to, to get pregnant for years and years and yeah. just had a lot of, a big struggle with infertility and had gone through several treatments and they didn't work. And it had been like six or seven years that we'd been trying to start our family and Literally the next month after my dad passed away, we we became pregnant. So. I remember you telling me in yeah. the car. I can still <laughs> I can still picture it. I was like, what? Oh, no. <laughs> it's just a miracle. Like it just shouldn't have been able to happen by on its own. Yeah. So it was just a huge miracle. We were blessed with our, our sweet Everett, and and he was yes, he was born the day before my dad's birthday. <laughs> so it yeah. was just we just knew that he was sent to us by my dad. Yeah. And, and the and just you know tender mercy to our family at a time that we were really suffering and struggling like just yeah light in our family so and that was just the start you know we had two other nephews like right after that you yeah. know my sisters and brother um all experienced great great blessings in the Lord and I think it's just the Lord's way of showing us He's aware and He loves us and He knows that that we are He's aware of our struggles and He knows how to help us and that he's very merciful and, and understanding. So, mm. Well, that is a beautiful place to end, Jessica. Thank you so much again yeah. for being vulnerable and open. And I know that there's so many people who will be able to relate with everything that you've said. And I hope that it's given you a little more of the healing and a little more peace also. And so thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Okay. This is a great way to share my story. I appreciate it. Thanks, Jessica. Everyone deserves to be happy with themselves. Share this episode with a friend. Leave a review so others can find the podcast. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button.